0: This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity in Houston, Texas, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America. Please join us on Sundays for worship at 9, 11, and 5, and visit us online at holytrinityrec.org. Please enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Blessed be the Lord who has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. These words of thanksgiving and joy from David are to the Lord for keeping his hands from committing murder. They're words that are appropriate for all of us as Christians, especially as we embark on this penitential season of Advent. In the Colic prayer for Advent and for the entire season of Advent, as we prayed earlier today, we ask God to give us grace to cast off the works of darkness and to put on the armor of light. Putting off the works of darkness is the call upon all of us as Christians in preparation for the second coming or the second advent of Jesus Christ. David, by listening to the pleadings of Abigail, put off the works of darkness, of murder, through turning back from following through with going after Nabal. God provided David with the armor of light through relenting, through heeding the words of mercy, pleadings of mercy from Abigail. His putting on the armor of light was patience, waiting on God to act instead of taking matters into his own hands. God honored his faithfulness as we read, and Nabal died of natural causes. On this first Sunday of the church year, this first Sunday of Advent, where we focus upon preparing our hearts for the coming of the Messiah through repentance and through asking for protection to fight the good fight, let us meditate upon how God helped David to such in the events of 1 Samuel 25. First, today, Abigail's plea with David in verses 22 through 31 is best summed up in her opening words in verse 24 after she had fallen on her face and bowed at the feet of David. On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. She proceeded to explain the nature of her husband in verse 25 after pleading with David to listen to her. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow, Nabal, For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. Abigail served here as a mediator, putting herself between David and Nabal. Without her, David was headed towards placing guilt upon himself, something up to this point in time in this entire book he was free from in his life. As Abigail reminded David of in verse 26, Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. Often in the life of faith, we need fellow believers to remind us of how God has been gracious to us and how he will continue to be gracious to us in our lives. For David, the Lord, kept him from blood guilt. He kept him from saving his own life through his own works. Blood guilt, after all, in the Bible is to shed blood without warrant from the commandments of the Lord. To this time, as we've been reading in 1 Samuel, the Lord kept David from these sins and his travails against King Saul. Now Abigail pleaded with David to restrain his hand from such a sin with her husband as well as taking matters into his own hands to act like God. She essentially reminded David that the commandments of God were meant not only for the big issues, such as how to deal with a corrupt king, but also in the small issues of how to deal with people on the same level, so to speak, the smaller issues of life, so to speak. In other words, God sees the killing of a king as the same as killing of a fellow man both bringing blood guilt. God takes care of all of our issues in our lives, whether on the large scale of David with Saul or on the much smaller scale as David with Nabal over an insult. He alone covers every area of our life, freeing us from thinking we have to save ourselves. Abigail in verse 28 continues, Please forgive the trespass of your servant, She pleaded with David to forgive this matter, to leave this matter into the hands of God to deal with in his way through his timing. These were all concepts David was very familiar with as we've been reading in this book in his dealings with King Saul. Sometimes, though, if we are holding the line well on the big matters as David did with King Saul, we can lose sight of the same necessity in the smaller matters of our lives and have temporary amnesia about it as David did, seeking at the first slide against him from somebody lower than Saul to go ballistic. Abigail closes this section In verse 31, my Lord shall have no cause or grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation himself. These pleadings of Abigail to cling to God even in the smaller matters of an insult is crucial for all of us as believers today. We must give all to God through Jesus Christ that endured everything for our sakes, even insults. In every sin leveled against us in our life, it is a constant test, similar to the test the unforgiving servant failed in Matthew chapter 18. Every single one of us has been forgiven an unpayable debt of sin by God through Christ, taking the entire debt of our sin upon himself. But we have to remember the small matters are still important. As James notes in his epistle, if we break even one commandment and have kept all the rest, we're guilty of all. We often get lost in the forest and the smaller things, unwilling to forgive with the intent of acting like God because we think we have the right to do so in the little things of life. All the while, we are taught by God of giving everything to him, even the little things. Now, we are not speaking of letting things go to the point that those sinning against us even in the little small things get a free ride. No, we are called to deal with those that hurt us even in the small things by telling them they've hurt us, giving them the opportunity to repent even in the small things. We're not to go full-out warrior mode to destroy a person over the small things as David was prepared to do against Nabal. These are important lessons we all need to be reminded of for self-examination as we are called to do this day in a few minutes at the heightened level on this first Sunday in Advent through the long exhortation before our confession prayer. After Abigail's pleas, David's reply in verses 32 through 35 reveals the absolute need for such mediation in our lives by fellow believers as the epistle stated today in verse 13, if you act if you live according to the flesh you will die. David saw here that he was about to let a mere insult drive him to kill another person without warrant. Living according to the flesh, according to the ways of this world. David said the following in verses 32 and 33, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion And blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. David's reply here was a reply full of joy, praising God for delivering him from this sin. We need such even in the small things in our estimation because the small things in our estimation are just as damning as the big sins in our estimation. It is a given as Christians that we are to abstain from tearing each other down with our words, as Jesus warned in the Gospels. Yet the response of the person taking the insults is also important. Leveling insults and responding to insults with sinful insults or with physical violence are still sinful. David was stopped, not by physical force, but by a kind woman pleading graciously through penitent words and gentle reminders from God's word. Notice that Abigail took great efforts by bringing food and gifts to, to David, yet the food and the gifts did not sway David. Her godly admonitions cut to his heart to relent. When we're placed in a position by God to intercede between two parties, grace is of the utmost importance. When coming to a David about to reply to sin with sin of his own, we must go forward with prayer, asking God for guidance both in our demeanor and our words. Our words must point to Christ as supreme, calling those we seek to come with reminders of their standing and who they are in Christ and their obligation to be at default to put their hands in God's hands and not In their own hands. This is what Abigail did for David. It is what we must do for each other, regardless of our status. In Christ we are all one as the sheep of God. David ended this section with kind words to Abigail, telling her with complete certainty that she now had nothing to worry about. The last part of this chapter speaks of Abigail divulging everything that had occurred, David's response, and so forth to her husband, Nabal. As we, as we read, she waited until the morning after Nabal had sobered up. The following happened after being told in the last part of verses 37 and 38, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. God removed this worthless fellow, as he was described earlier, through natural means. Here in this instance, God again proves to David that he would not only act in the small things, but also later in the larger things with the removing of King Saul. David was not to take these things in his own hands to do. It was God's work in terms of vengeance and in terms of the proper time. This event proved to David that God was in command of his life and in the life of Israel. David, in verse 19, responded to this news again by praising the Lord for delivering him from his enemies in the Lord's timing. Blessed be the Lord who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal and his own head. Compared to the great travails David suffered from Saul, this incident with Nabal was small. Yet David treated God's help to pull him from sinning as very significant. We must treat even the small and mundane deliverances in our estimation the same in our lives. The victories God grants us over smaller sins trains us to resist the temptations towards larger sins in our assessment. Do we as David praise and bless God for even the small victories of sin every day? Or or do we just do that for the big sins he delivers us from in our lives? We need to learn how to celebrate even in the small victories. It's healthy to show this gratitude through all our days as Christians. This is why we are taught in the church the value of worship and its importance throughout the year not just on Christmas or Easter. We are to praise God for all that he gives us, both the little things and the big things. It's the most important lesson David learned here in 1 Samuel 25. It's the lesson we are all taught anew in this first Sunday in Advent. All the little things of our lives where God teaches us his ways and preserves us, prepares us ultimately for his second coming. All we do as Christians prepares the way for the Lord's return. There will be times this preparation comes in the form of getting paused by an Abigail, challenged to stop before we sin, both in the big things and the little things. There will be times this preparation comes in the form of being an Abigail to gently remind fellow Christians of their duty to God and to each other to relent before it is too late, Nothing is too small in the eyes of God in terms of sin for his people to act, whether to listen to the counsel of fellow Christians or to be a prophetic voice in the lives of fellow Christians to relent. May we focus on these gracious truths in this Advent as we grow in him. Blessed be the Lord who has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. Amen.